Good afternoon and welcome to Susan Harmon Experience. She, we have a very special guest with us today, Eric, Laurie Savoy. Uh, we just recently met. I read her book. It's an amazing book. It's called The Ripple Effect, and it's about the invisible impact of suicide. Uh, Lori is a really interesting person. She comes at things uh, a little bit differently than the average bear, which I really like. Uh, Lori is the mother of three, and she was you know, living an ordinary little life. And in uh, November of 2010, her 19-year-old son um, took his life. And she uh, dealt with her grief and sadness and and it, you know, in so many ways, it's it's really hard to to really explain all this. But she decided to kind of reverse the negativity of of suicide uh, by spreading a message of hope and love. And she wrote this book, The Ripple Effect: Invisible Impact of Suicide. I don't think that uh, a lot of people really understand the ripple that goes out when someone takes their life and how many people uh, are affected by the suicide, not just the immediate family and, and not just the friends, but it ripples out into the world. And her uh, idea was, can I, you know, do things? I mean, she's uh, been helping parents in a healing group, uh, worked with Hope ASAP, and uh, she's spoken frequently in Arizona prison systems. Uh, she's a pretty amazing woman. Welcome, Lori. I'm so happy to have you here on the Susan Harmon Hour. Hi, Susan and Eric. Thank you. Thank you. I'm deeply honored. Well, um, I read this book. I mean, I did. I I talked to Lori earlier today and I'm like, well, it's it's kind of interesting. She sent a, a letter out to people and said, you know, could you could you tell me uh, what? How this impacted you? What? What? And don't feel pressured to do it. Don't do it if you don't want. Uh, you can write something. You can write a poem. You can, you know, write a letter. Whatever form it takes for you. And there was one. I said, well, I didn't do everything in here. There in here, somebody's uh, put a. Let me see if I can find this here on the book. Put a a puzzle. It was interesting. Here's a find the word puzzle for Garrett's book. And she said, uh, my feelings and thoughts are hidden with the puzzle. Uh, I thought that was a, a very interesting response in all the responses that you that you got from people, Lori. Yeah, there's people in here that don't even know Garrett. It's incredible mm-hmm. how it all kind of unfolded, and I was photocopying some more letters at a place, and this girl looked at what I was doing, and she said, I knew Garrett. Do you think I And This affected my family with my with my sister's boyfriend. Do you think I could have some letters to pass out? And then other people, it just, it ripples. So. Yeah, uh, you know, and and what I think, to me, one of the things I find uh, so enlightening and so wonderful about your book is it's a message of hope rather than despair. Uh, Because there's no way, as a parent, that you can't despair when your child takes, uh, you know, his own life. It's it's when you lose a child to sickness or to a car accident, you know, or something like like this. It's it's devastating. But this form, and nobody wants to talk about it. That's that to me is one of the beauties of your book. It's it's getting people to talk about this. Yeah, and I talk to people, and I even say, you know, they're having trouble with their kids or whatever, and I give them a book and say, hey, just leave it on your coffee table. It doesn't matter that if your kid's going to read it or not, but this is, there's a teenage boy on the cover, and it's impactful even just looking at the picture. It is, um, because the way I'm going to just kind of describe this, it's a it's a watery cover. It's it's in pastels. And there's this figure walking away of a, of a young man you can see with the hoodie and the jeans and but um, very vague. And it it uh, it really speaks. The cover really speaks to the person who looks at it. There's it's it's very impactful, Lori. Yes, and Susan, I don't know if you read the back of, um, this is actually the second edition. The first edition was kind of a dark cover, and interestingly enough, 
this book was designed by one of Garrett's friends, Jessica, that was took graphic design. So she helped me put the book together. And at the back, there's some things that people wrote, and it's about there is one up from the correctional officer at the prison. So if we get speaking about that, I might just read what she had to say about it. And uh, there's an author that I know, and she said, what is the opposite of suicide? It's not a word. It's this book. It shows the roles of choice and of love. It And it does, too, because, you know, one of the things that I noted in here were people saying, I should have done this. I should have noticed that. I should have, should have, should have. And, boy, isn't this one of the things that we do? We, we second-guess ourselves. Why didn't I see clues? Why didn't I see this? But, you know, you're living life. And it, you know, this this blaming of yourself after someone, you know, has done this or second-guessing yourself is um, very difficult emotionally. Yes, and in my case, there was no clue. No, I, I, I think a lot of times people don't leave a clue. No. I, I mean, there's some people that talk about it or they're deeply depressed or whatever, but in our case, it just it literally came out of the blue. And then on top of that, no note. So we really do not know why. So I can't even, that, that can't even be in my vocabulary. No, and I understand that uh, my uh, my son-in-law's brother and his wife had just talked to their son. Not 15 minutes earlier, everything was fine. Had an argument with his girlfriend and shot himself. 15 yeah. minutes after they saw him and everything was fine. Wow. And, you know, that, it's like, how, well, there's, there were no signs. Do you know right. what I mean? Right. You know. So I think that a lot of times the, the people that are left, the family and the friends, do a lot of self-blame. For sure. I mean, if you're, you're not sitting in the hospital with your child or your child didn't get in a motorcycle accident or anything, my child chose this and chose to do this and um, devastated our family, devastated yeah. our community, devastated my our extended family and friends and so here this book is from the other side. This is basically, I say, we're the suckers left behind. You're the suckers left behind. Yeah. Yeah. And um, one of the things I was struck uh, by, Lori, uh, you know, that you and I, you and I talked briefly uh, about this because in the book you talk about, um, I think it was like three years after, after this that uh, you saw him in uh, dark clothing behind you three years after he died, saying, Mom, I'm ready for Oprah Winfrey. I'm ready yeah. to be on the Oprah show. Well, and I was also given the idea about the book at the same time, and I was dri going to drive, and I knew it was pretty impactful, so once I got to my location, I sat there and took notes all of what had happened, and I knew totally it came from Divine. And yeah, I... It's it feels to me when I when I pick up this book and look in it that it is uh, divinely inspired and that you are seeing through the veil and you are uh, you and I talked a, uh, a little bit earlier today and, and I said I felt like Garrett is doing more to help you from the other side than he could ever have done uh, being here in this life. He's doing more to help the world. Yes, because this book somehow organically gets. I hear from people all over the world. It's like, wow, I have I don't even have a clue how it got there. There was a girl um, that I knew that I had donated the book to, and she called me and she said, Lori, my co-worker uh, son just um, killed himself, and I, you know, I is it okay if I donate my book to her? And then I said, sure, can I send another one for his sister? And she said, no, you won't believe it. She went to the library in Indiana, and here was your book. I have no wow. idea how it got there. So um, just it's meant to help how it's meant to help. And, yeah, I'm I'm all inspired by divine, and I, I just get guided. And my son is definitely around and definitely helping, and more so, more so recently. 
So I yeah, could you could you just could you share a little bit of that? Is that a possibility on some of the things he's done recently that have been very helpful? Well, first of all, I just want to—I know you're spiritual, and I'm very spiritual, and I just want right. to say that my son came through right away. He came through through a medium in Canada that I didn't even know, and anyhow, in, incredible. So. He would not leave. He was in between for sure. I could feel him. Mm-hmm. And I had to pray him through. So he didn't, he, he went right to heaven. He's in heaven. So anybody who doubts anybody from suicide, where they go, they're in the same peace, joy, and love, light with God, whatever you believe in. They're in the same realm. This That's I know absolutely sure. true. So Absolutely anybody, true. anybody who's listening that is worried, where does their loved one go? Their loved one is love, the same as everybody else. Yeah, um, this this these these silly rules that uh, some human beings decided to institute have absolutely right. nothing to do with love. I mean, I noticed in one of the persons saying one one of the letters I read, the uh, the woman said one of the things that you taught me, Garrett, uh, was to not uh, respond to things in fear. And I'm always saying that to people. You know, operate from love, not fear. Any decision you make based in fear will never get you the results you're looking for. Right. It's, right. it's not possible. So you can't make your decisions based in fear. You have to make all your decisions based in love. Yeah, and I mean, for you, if that's where you come from, then that's easy for you. But for people who it's new for, it's, yes. But the bottom line is, in the book is all about everybody wants to be loved, feel loved, be mm-hmm. loved. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole premise on the other side is, is love. That's it. There's no right. judgment, nothing. It's just pure love. Well, heaven doesn't, ha- doesn't uh, you know, deal with judgment. No, not at all. No, that's that's uh, that's a, a control issue, which is about fear. And it's interesting because I I agree with you. Where fear is pounded into us day in and day out. Uh, if you watch the news, you cannot get through uh, half an hour's news report without at least three times and saying, "Well, that's really scary," or "This yeah. was," you know, there there, and this has gone on for decades. You know, of this pounding into you, be afraid, be afraid, be afraid. And I think people are getting tired of being afraid. And I think your book is one of those little beacons of light that helps people release that fear. Yeah. Yeah. And another um, thing that I, I wrote that if I wanted it to be about hope, love, and communication. And Communication mm-hmm. for especially boys because boys don't talk. So my goal—I mean, this wasn't even my idea. This was divine. I fought—I fought it for ten days. So you can see who won. <laughs> who won? In the, and anyhow, I'm now I'm. So yeah, always wins. <laughs> I know, and it's helped so many people. And I just wanted to help one boy. Well, the very first person that I ever sent this book to, I saved his life with this book, and. He's an incredible young man, and he's in my life, and he's in my heart now, So, and I'm in his heart, and I'm going to choke up because it's pretty powerful. And then another, I'll tell another example. I had uh, given a book, or my friend, I'm not sure of the details, I think she purchased it, read it, and gave it to another friend of hers. I had not met this person and then the person wanted to meet me, a young girl, uh, only child. Her mother and father had committed suicide. Oh, my so God. at one point... Uh, how old she, was she? Do you know? I Yeah, I know, because now she's in my life. Yeah, yeah. So, so, my, so she wanted to talk to me because my son kept coming and helping her from the other side. And she said that at one point... She, she was laying on the bathroom floor and that she was ready to check herself out. And Garrett came to her and said, look, he even told her what page to read in the book. And the book wasn't even around when he was on planet Earth. So they have quite a relationship. Mm-hmm. She, has, she has now um, met a guy and they, she's truly happy. 
and then she got pregnant and expecting a baby, so now she's going to have her own family. And she, uh-huh. her, Garrett's birthday is August 30th, so she called me just last August 30th and said, Lori, you know what today is? My baby's due any day. I want to have the baby today. And I said, <laughs> no, Garrett already told me, no, not today. And then she said, well, what about tomorrow, August 31st? And I said, no. I don't like that day either. That's the day my mom passed away. Uh-huh. So she called me September 1st. She had her baby September 1st. Oh. And this is a girl that I never knew before. And now she's in my heart and I'm in her heart. And my book saved her life. And she has her own family. And she's full of hope and love now. You know, I find that it's that's a such a wonderful thing to share with our audience because you um, you've written a book that is helping people, but for your son who passed to come to her when she's at that point where she's decided I can't live here anymore, I can't deal with this, my life is not working, and he tells her what page to read on a book that didn't exist when he was here. So you know that he's operating completely from spirit. Spirit is guiding him totally. to talk to her and guided totally. her to you. For sure. And she'll text me a, a picture she's driving along of a song that really is powerful for her that I didn't even know about that was played at his service. So it's all full circle. She said, Garrett's talking to me. Garrett's with me again. So she now has a relationship with him in spirit. And he's looking after, he already told her, I'm going to look after your baby. I mean, it's a special baby for him, too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's it's just beautiful. And see, to me, I also see your relationship with her has enriched your life tremendously. It's like, it's like this circle within a circle within a circle. It's, it's beautiful. Absolutely. And I'll tell you another story, Susan, that just is incredible. I'm in um, a group, I'm sure I can talk about it, but it's Helping Parents Heal, and there's a medium that a bunch of people in my group were talking about that was giving good messages, so I thought, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get myself a reading, because I haven't had one for a while, and she started giving my, me a reading, and then she just burst out crying, 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 and she just I never do this. I never get so emotional. And it was mm-hmm. happening, and she could not compose herself. And what had happened, and this just is incredible, and she can validate it. My son brought through her son, but he was a grown man at 36 years old, and he died at four days old. And she had never seen her son as a grown man, and he was the first spirit to bring a gift of her son to her and he said to her i'm giving i'm bringing your son to you right now as a gift and present to you for you helping all these parents isn't that incredible i think it's i think it's beautiful i think it's very real and i think it's uh so positive i i know um you know you and i were introduced via uh, our mutual friend olga Olga mm-hmm. Martin and and Olga is going through you know she's in the process of writing a book uh, her yeah. daughter was murdered yeah. and uh, so there's a connection with all of this and her daughter began speaking to me when she and I first met and you know we had things that I needed to tell Olga so you know these spirits can be very very demanding you know they're like listen you need to talk to me and some of it is 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 really interesting how they go how they go about getting your uh getting your attention um and and one of the things i like i mean i i I have stories too but this we're not going to talk about all my i've got great stories but you know about all that but but i one of the things i was fascinated by because i know suicide is a huge problem uh, for our youth, and it's it been increasing. More people are committing suicide. They're just not feeling a sense of hope in the way that uh, they should be. But um, one of the things I admire about you, and I think is very important, is th- that you go into 
the prisons. Uh, I used to set up drug, alcohol, and gang prevention programs, and I always wanted to work more with uh, women who were, you know, in prison and kind of, you know, like do things like how do you balance a checkbook? Uh, you know, how do you, you know, know if you have X amount of money, how do you divide it up so that you get, you know, your rent paid and your utilities paid and your groceries bought and all this? How how do you find decent clothes in a thrift store? I mean, just the the things that we talk about that are common sense that aren't very common anymore. Right. And I'm I really appreciate the fact that you do. One of the things you said to me that just was like gold to me. That when you go in there, you don't do as much talking as you do listening, and that's wow, because no one listens to the inmates, and you do, and that's uh, that to me is very very important. Well, the thing that this was set up by a mutual friend, a, a friend of mine, and she asked me to donate books to the prison. I said absolutely, so I sent ten books, and then I heard from a, her friend, a correctional officer, and she said, "Would you mind?" coming to speak, and I said, oh, I'm not a public speaker, that's for sure, but anyhow, it took 10 months, and my oldest daughter comes as well, and she's super spiritual, and just a shining, bright, white light, she lights up the room, and so the very first time we went, I mean, I didn't even know what to expect, and I was kind of nervous, but I didn't, I just thought, I'm not even going to plan anything, I'm just going to let divine let it flow, so we got into this room and apparently the people who were in the program had to basically qualify for it really want it um sounds like maybe earn it and it wasn't a program it was just a speaker so there was this i had they had set up a couple chairs this inmate had just finished setting all the chairs up and she set a couple at the front and then all these rows like church so I whisper over to the correction officer, I said, I'm not comfortable with this. Do you mind if we do a circle? And she said, whatever you need. And so I looked at her, I, the inmate, and I, I apologize to you. I know you just set all this up, but I just want a circle. So we, yeah, the, everybody got us in a circle. I very first thing I said to everybody is, you know, I'm just a mom. I'm just this. And I looked in everybody's eyes, and I said, we are all the same. Yep. And... And then the it just flowed from there, and I just talked a little bit, and then I let them. It's it's all what happens in there and says in there stays in there, which is huge to have that respect and privacy and for each of them because they could share their stories, but then there's no repercussion. And the girl was going to write a, the toughest girl in there came and we're not supposed to touch but she gave me a giant hug and she said did you feel all the angels in here i said i sure did (laughs) she wrote an article for the newspaper in the prison that i had no idea and she said this girl lady came in i thought it was going to be a typical speech about statistics and she changed the chairs (laughs) and we had this circle of love so that time it became the circle of love and it's funny because there's repeat people in there i haven't gone recently i i need to get back there but each time i plan nothing and they ask me maybe read the letter that i wrote to my son or whatever and and then i just let it flow and there's a chaplain in there because and there's also a counselor a psychologist because things come up for them one girl at one time there was six people that were affected six people and everybody is everybody knows somebody who knows somebody about suicide and nobody talks about it and they um i'll tell you about this one girl asked me anyways i'll I'll get back to that but each time a, a theme comes up and that one was love another one was about unworthiness another time it was just about trust it's just it's incredible so i know and my book is just a little tool to get us all connected as one and speaking from our heart. And one and young girl, one young girl, I'll just finish real quick, asked me a question which will apply to anybody who is in my position. She asked me, because of her situation, do you feel guilt? And I, I answered the whole, everybody in the room and said, yes, I went 
I don't feel guilt, no. I went through my shoulda, woulda, coulda period. But quite frankly, I did the best I could. I never saw it coming. I never expected it. And I am not guilty. I did not choose this for myself. He chose it. So mm-hmm. I have no guilt. And and I, I think I changed that girl's life that day because she is now in prison because of guilt from she didn't go see her brother. So... I don't want to disclose too much because it is confidential. Right, but right. it changed her life in that she could see it in a different light that she didn't have to hold on to that guilt for the rest of her life because she didn't choose, she didn't choose it either. It just happened to her. It came to her. And she, she was started on the path from that to love herself. Absolutely. And, and that's so important. You know, when it says in the Bible, love love others as you love yourself. Well, if you don't love yourself, you have nothing to base loving anybody else on. Right. And that's really important. We're going to uh, stop for a moment, take a very short break, and uh, we're going to come back. We're going to talk more with Lori Savoy about The Ripple Effect, The Invisible Impact of Suicide, this incredible book that she's done and she's come at it from a completely different perspective not oh woe is me but how did this person impact what were the things that I felt from all these other people that have written letters written poems written songs uh, and 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 done this and it's touching people's lives and most importantly in my opinion it's it's opening this conversation because suicide is one of those things we don't want to talk about I mean, we're now in an age, I feel like we're talking about sexual assault. You know, we're, we're, we're talking about uh, mass shootings. We're, we're talking about things that we have like, oh, well, we can't talk about this. We can't talk about that. We have to become transparent and open and honest as a society so we as a complete society can heal as long, uh, along with each of us as individuals. So... That was a little longer speech than I planned to make. <laughs> but we're going to take a short break, and then Lori Savoy and I will come back and talk about the ripple effects some more. Stay tuned to the KKNW Alternative Talk Radio and the Susan Harmon Hour. We'll be right back. Walter Pollan, author of the book Evolution of the Spirit and the Freeware Astrology Program, Astrologue, offers an amazing tool specially designed for the spiritual seeker, the Labyrinth Oracle is an easy-to-use divination card deck to help guide one through the twists and turns of the maze of life. This deck comes with 109 unique cards with detailed interpretations for each card. Purchase options include a sparkly line drawstring bag and a wood box to store your deck. The Labyrinth Oracle was created by a brother and sister team. Walter designed the system and his sister Kathy brought the cards to life with colorful illustrations. To get your copy, visit astrolog.org slash oracle.htm. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcome Reverend Teresa Feeberts, who talks with us about themes of redemption, renewal, and reinvention on Good Friday, a day celebrated by much of the world. On Saturday, Carol Bromley, also known as the Easter Bromley, is passing out messages from her basket of goodies. Bringing you mastery and mystery, one hour at a time since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Alternative Talk 1150, local talk for the body, mind, and soul. Welcome back to the Susan Harmon Hour uh, on 11.50 a.m. KKNW Alternative Talk Radio. Lori Savoy is here with me, and she has written an amazing book called The Ripple Effect, The Invisible Impact of Suicide. Lori, uh, one of the things that uh, I think is marvelous that you're offering, uh, any of our readers who would like a free copy, which is very generous of you, of The Ripple Effect, uh, if they email me, Susan at SusanHarmon.com, with your, you know, your contact information, I will forward that on to Lori and she will send a book. That's available to the first, what did we say, five people? Okay, five people can get a free copy of The Ripple Effect, The Invisible Impact of Suicide. This is a, a really, it's an uplifting book. I mean, when you say suicide, how uplifting, but this book is uplifting. 
and I, I think that it's really important that uh, that that you know I know you've been getting it into high schools, you've been getting it into middle schools and and universities and libraries, and 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 that's marvelous. But I think uh, that sharing these stories uh, turns people's lives around, and I think that that's uh, amazing. I, and you've said, how, how many countries is this book in, and has it been translated? Well, it hasn't been translated because I self-published, and I all the money that I make on the books, I buy more books and donate, and I have a donation map on my Facebook site, so it, it it's all around. That amazes me that I hear from people in different countries. That I don't even know if they speak English, but they have my book. Wow! So it it is a universal thing. I did so, Susan. The people who would like uh, me to send a book to the first five people, if they could send you your their name and mailing address, because I will physically mail a book. And there's just a couple things. I don't want to make it all about my book, but I wanted to read a couple things that I felt were kind of important that were in there. Sure. And one of the things is at the very beginning, and I'll just keep this short, because I actually don't talk a lot in the book either, because there's probably a hundred different people that contributed. Oh, yeah. There's probably 200, or uh, there's probably another hundred people who have spoken to me that said, you know, I, I wish I would have, or maybe we'll do a second edition, I'm not sure. I said, I understand, you know, I this is so personal, and if you're not ready, no worry, because who's ready to even face this kind of thing? It's different yep. than your aunt dying of cancer or something, yep. that by the time they go, you would just want them at peace. This is a young person that has his whole life ahead of him that grew up, in an in, incredible family. So right. it's entirely different. Right. It's very different because you you, ha- you don't know why, and there's not, no note or anything to tell you, and it, uh, yeah, very difficult. So I'm just going to read a couple things, and then you jump in, because like I say, I don't, I don't like to talk too much, and I'm not a public speaker, but uh, this is at the very beginning of the book. It's in the Dear Reader part, and I'll just, just do a little blurb. My dream and desire in writing this book is that the contributors, as well as you, the reader, will now see your lives through different eyes to enjoy every moment, hug someone, talk to a stranger, do a pay it forward with no expectations or thanks, contribute to a charity or just a simple gesture, smile at someone. By seeing and living each moment differently, you might have just changed someone else's minute, their future, their destiny by a simple act of caring and showing them they are worth it. Wow. And then there's another little blurb I wrote about a message, you know, how the book came came to be, and I'm just going to make it a just a little, little blurb here. But this book became exactly what I wanted it to be, a tapestry of feelings and stories about impact, the silent impact that is left behind after a suicide. Um, I'm going to skip through. Death on the whole isn't talked about much or well, and I can tell you from experience that the topic of suicide is a tough one. One thing to lose a child to an accident or disease, but it's an entirely different matter to lose a child by his or her own hand. In the former situation, parents suffer but don't question if they were a good parent or aunt, sibling, you know, anybody. On the other hand, I have to, uh, at that time, this is how I felt. I have to carry the shameful burden of why. Wasn't I a good enough parent? Suicide. What do you say to someone when they ask how your child died? Well, you don't even really know why. Mixed with the devastating sadness, I had to work through the guilt and the stigma of not good enough mother syndrome I created for myself. What I would love to see come out of this book is love, communication, and hope. Love, because for me, it all comes down to love. Love yourself, your family, and others. Everyone wants to love and be loved. Communication is another critical key. We tried so many things for Garrett, but he never really told us how he was feeling, and he was never a good communicator. Boys typically seem to hold things, words, emotions in, and if this book can change the way one boy communicates, then I'll be truly happy. Hope so that if you are down, you can see that you are worthy. Hope for those left behind after suicide to let you know that you are not alone and can truly survive it. 
Um, I I think you um, are really hitting it on every every point here. Uh, communication is so vital, and we we really try to condition. Especially, I, I do think we try to condition our boys to not uh, not feel and not express those emotions and feelings. And that is, uh, you know, we give them little G.I. Joes to play with, you know. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So, um, you know, you need to be the strong, silent type, you know, that kind of thing. And it's, it's a destruction of the soul to do that um, because... You have a lot to say and you have a lot to give, and it's really hard if you feel like uh, giving is going to diminish you as a human being rather than enhance you as a human being. So teaching communication is a huge, huge thing, on, on, and people feeling safe to speak. Um, I think that that's like very important. Um, if you don't feel like you're in a safe space, how are you going to talk? Right, and I I believe that is slowly changing. They're slowly changing because look at what's happening in the world with the kids that are they're speaking out now about Florida. Uh, oh, I know those young people so articulate and getting up and saying we call BS on this. We're no, this is just not no. You you people are not doing what you're supposed to be doing, and we're going to call you on it. I'm like yes, uh, you know. It, if anyone wants to, da- to to denigrate millennials, they shouldn't do it in front of me. <laughs> because, you know. Right. Well, and the thing for me, too, is that they're speaking about something that's close to their heart. I know somebody whose son um, committed suicide or, or completed. A, a lot of people in my group don't like the word committed suicide because they did not commit a crime. They, they completed suicide, or they're now a, a bright light shining kid, child. So the one thing, I know this lady, and she, has, she wrote a book, her son's from 1975, and she would be walking along the street, and people would cross the sidewalk so that onto the other sidewalk so they didn't have to pass her, and that uncomfortable feeling of talking to her, and yeah, people don't know. Part of it is, I think, I think part of it is they don't know what to say. But do the tough things, you know. I, I mean, our, our thoughts and prayers are with you. Like, stop. That that's those are empty words. You know, if you just even say to someone, I don't know what to say to you, but if there's anything I can do to show you that I care, you know, I mean, something as simple as that. And we were surrounded by that, so fortunately, but it was like, oh, man, if it can happen in their family, it can happen in anybody's family, and it happens all the time. Well, that's the absolute truth. It's a, it's a you know, we have uh, 20-something veterans that c- commit suicide every day. We have, I think, I think my daughter was talking about uh, the seventh uh the seventh most common cause in a Caucasians is suicide, and the sixth most most common cause in African Americans is uh, murder. And uh, this was interesting. She said to me, and this is just there's no stats or anything on this. This is just in a in a conversation. So I'm not trying to say that this is an official statement or anything. She's talking about. What do you turn your anger and your fears and all inward or do you turn them outward? And that's and that's part of what we have to have as our discussion as human beings together, all of us talking together on on what we feel like. Uh, I know a friend of mine who was always, you know, he was to have these great moods and everything and he committed suicide and it was a it was astoundingly shocking to people because he was such an up character all the time and trying to talk to talk about it at his memorial was very difficult people did not want you're absolutely right they did not want to talk about it well and it's the same thing when my my book came out and a friend of mine said oh the timing is perfect our mutual friend's brother uh just just killed himself he's 54 years old and then if you look at the the 
Lincoln Park singer and the, his other friend two months before. I mean, they look to me like they have everything going for them. They leave young mm-hmm. kids behind, a wife that's head is spinning. Why? So let's get talking about it. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's very important for us as a society. Again, transparency, openness, safe spaces to talk. Uh, that I think is a, a real issue for a lot of people. Is that um, you have to feel safe. You ha- and I think, like for instance, when you went in the prison there and you moved the chairs into a circle, that immediately is not. I'm standing up here in front of you as the expert talking, and you're going to listen to me. No, we're all in a group together. We're in a circle. I used to do that with community meetings. If this guy would get there before me, he'd line them up. I'd get there. I'd put everything in a circle. Yeah, I mean, it just came to me. Just That's how my heart felt, and that's what I felt we needed. And it became, they called it the circle of love. And I mean, what better, what that? Be- and now the people... They they're they want to get they want to come to my things. I mean, it's, I never know what it's going to turn out like. Obviously, right. the people are different every time, but the thing that comes out of it, you can just feel the healing. You can just and and not only that, what I suspect happens afterwards is that these women who might not have even known each other or or maybe were at odds with each other. The environment is so loving, and it, it you can just feel it, it's not from an earthly place that now they have a different respect and maybe even a, a friendship, kindness, love, helping one another. And you, I, I would actually bet money that that happens afterwards. I, because it's so confidential, I don't ask. I just go. I donate my time, I go, and I go there as a person of love. That's all That's all I want to share my heart. That's it. One of the it's things an- I say to them is, you can ask me anything you want. I'm an open book. But isn't that the greatest gift that we can give anyone, is to come into space with them with a loving, open heart? Yeah. I mean, you can have all the knowledge in the world. You can have all the intuition. But if you don't have love, it's, it's what, the sounding of brass. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, without love, it means nothing. Absolutely. And another thing, Susan, that I wanted to kind of veer off, if it's, if it's okay. I don't want to sure. just talk about my book. But there's a article that I read, and I just wanted to share a little blurb about it. It's about Melissa Stockwell. She was the first American female soldier to lose a limb in Iraq. And she there's something that she said that I want I would like to share because to me it's it, this is universal and this applies to everybody, whether they have even had one death in their family or not. And I, I'm just gonna read what a little part of what she said and this is what I believe. She said her name is Melissa Stockwell. She's thirty six now. She said, losing my leg was never part of my script for the future, but I'd do it all over again. It taught me that regardless of what happens, you have a choice. You can choose to be fearful, or you can be positive and share your talents with others. Everyone has bombs in life, unexpected events that rock your world. It's up to you to decide how to react. I may be the only mom in swim class who takes off her leg before diving in, but I'm still here. I have an adorable son and an amazing husband, and the world is truly a great place. So for me, it's all about choice. Everybody has things that happen in their life, and it's how you choose to deal with it. And I personally, my family has chosen to share our family's tragedy, devastation, in hopes that it will help people with hope, love and communication and it all comes down to choice and i and i think you've said you've struck on something very important here because a lot of times when there is a violent death uh especially a suicide um the family falls apart because there isn't communication there isn't hope there isn't that basis but that hasn't happened with your family no um and that love has gotten stronger and, and, and more binding. 
Yes, and my husband did not write in the book. He couldn't, and that's okay. My yeah. One of my kids, because it came out in 2015, but was written in 2014, said she would change her message, but the messages are all, it's just applicable, however, and part of it is, I wish I could get this book to everybody before they choose to end their life. Right. But it's also about helping people see that, okay, this is the way everybody feels. So, yes, it's helped a ton of people see themselves in a different light and that that's how they would impact their friends and family. So, yeah, in, a, in an ideal world, I'd love that this book to be on everybody's coffee table and everybody's home and everybody's doctor office library but that's not realistic so they're the people who are now dealing with the loss of their loved ones they can look at me as an example and you can survive it you're not the same person you never will be but i'm choosing to help people through this and it does help it helps tremendously um, I mean, just me looking at this, there's a, there's a tremendous amount of inspiration in here. But I think that one of the things that's like really important uh, to get uh, is that uh, you are doing uh, something that is really helpful to people. And, uh, you know, sharing those things is, really makes a difference. Yeah, and there's, I don't know how much time we have left, but one of our aunts wrote something that pretty general but it's so applicable to the entire world and it i i had actually forgotten about it but this girl brought it to my attention that that really struck to her that what was really helpful to her and it's all about basically susan what you've been saying giving a safe place but you know she talked about i'd like to be able to turn my world from hate to love from greed to, to sharing from despair to hope and just mm -hmm. a few paragraphs she wrote is about, you know, every day all over the world crimes against the person are committed, but let's, let's get bullying out, intimidation. It's just incredible. You know, it's, it's interesting because all of the negatives are really based in fear. Yeah. Greed, greed is all about fear. If I don't grab for everything I can get my hands on, I, I, I won't have enough. Yep. And, uh, you know, bullying is the same thing. I, I, You know, my, my father had told me when I was young, a bully is always a coward. It, it means that they're so afraid that they won't be strong enough that they have to strong arm other people. You right. know, basically. Right. Yeah. You know, so yeah. if, if we can talk about these honestly without attacking one another, that's the key, I think. You know, you don't agree with somebody, you don't have to attack the person you don't agree with. Right. So if I have two minutes to read something from my sure. aunt, she, she, I mean, she, what she wrote is incredible, but I don't want to take up all the time. But No, saying, go ahead and take two minutes, and then uh, we, we've got about four minutes after that, So, but I'll need about two of those, so you've got a total of four minutes. Okay, mm. well, I'll, I'll skip one part about society's values of being eroding young people. They have few role models. That's what she believes. But this, this part, she says, in their formative years, young people need someone to look up to, to emulate and to lead the path. I, I could even strike out the word young and say people need someone to look up to, to emulate Absolutely. and to lead the path. Absolutely. Yes, we all do. Yeah, she's saying young people need to be listened to. Mm -hmm. They need acceptance for who and what they are. Young people need families, friends, and faith to be encouraged in their endeavors and dreams, given hope and love. They are entitled to their opinions, supported in their decisions and love. I mean, you could even strike out all the young in there and just people. A absolutely. People, I totally agree with you. So that's, that's pretty powerful. So I wanted to put... There's a lot of other people's opinions, and it's not even. They a lot of people wrote. I didn't even know Garrett. It's not. A, it's not a book about my son and my family, as you know. It's a book about all kinds of people's experiences. And there's a girl that wrote in here, dear 15 year old me. She wrote a letter about 
you know, how she felt and how the world is hard, but you just got to, it's just all over. People wrote poetry. There's pictures in here that one of the pictures is taken not far from my live, where I live. There literally looks like the hand of God coming down from the sky. Mm-hmm. You know, and this and, girl, yeah. this, this girl is 23 years old. She wrote it and Dear 15-year-old me, you're feeling lost right now. There's no way out. You don't fit in. People are being mean. And, you know, and I appreciate who you are, and I love who you are, and here's why. And then she talks all about it hasn't been an easy road to become me. And then it gets better. It gets a lot better. It becomes incredible. And now she wrote that as a 23-year-old. So You know, if if... Here's, I'm I'm considerably older than that. Uh, I just want to look younger. I don't want to be younger. Right. Um, Because as you grow older, you learn things, hopefully. And you, you, you realize, like, wow, that wasn't worth getting upset about. You know, I, I mean, I look at a lot of people, they talk about drug use, but I, I see the worst addiction is drama addiction. You know, I'm not happy if things aren't in a turmoil. Right, right. So, Um, do you have any last words for the audience? um, I just want to thank everybody for listening. Um, Like I said, I'm not a public speaker. I don't, I don't run around. I have, I keep books in my car and whenever I can, I donate them. Uh, our map on Facebook on my I have a Facebook page Suicide Ripple Effect and mm-hmm. um, it shows all the books and where they went to etc so that's kind of cool I just go want... is, is your Facebook Lori Savoy no it is um, it's the Ripple Effect Su- yes yeah, Suicide Ripple Effect I think I believe I sent it to you um, okay. And I'll post it on my Facebook page as well. Yeah. I think that's great. Well, uh, we I have really, really enjoyed our conversation. I think you've offered the audience a tremendous amount of uh, information, uh, things that are positive. Uh, don't forget to email me, folks, if you want a copy of The Ripple Effect, and I will send your name and address on to uh, Lori to, for, you, for you to get a copy of this. I'd like to see it in a whole lot of places uh, that it would be useful, community centers as well as libraries and, and schools. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that that's like really super important. So next week on March the 23rd, uh, that's going to be the weekend of Norwalk, the Northwest Astrology Conference. And we are going to have the show next week uh, on astrology. Uh, we'll be talking about Uranus and uh, all the things that are going to be going on at Norwalk, the Northwest Astrology Conference. It's a, an event that's held out at the Doubletree Suites near South Center in Seattle, Uh an amazing event with uh, marvelous, wonderful people. And uh, I hope that you enjoyed uh, listening to Lori Savoy and Susan Harmon talking today about the ripple effect, the invisible impact of suicide. Remember to always keep hope and love and communication on your top shelf and things that you can do. But until then, until we meet again until you move forward in life. There's one thing that you can do that will always make life better for you. And that, my friends, is to keep on dancing. <laughs>